Welcome to worship this morning at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor and it's such a joy to be with you on this first Sunday of Advent. I hope that you all had a happy Thanksgiving and as we enter into this season of preparation and, and waiting and anticipation, my hope and my prayer for you is that your spirit will be filled with the anticipation of the season, that you will experience hope as we worship God together, and that you will stay connected and make connections with one another. You know, this past week was Thanksgiving, and I do hope you all had a blessed Thanksgiving. I know I did. Uh, this Thanksgiving looked different in my household than it has in years past with friends and, and family coming in and out throughout the week, but it was a time of, of blessing that I experienced in, in so many ways and uh, I give God thanks for that. And as I come back to worship, to be with you, to, to share the, the love that God has for us, I give thanks that I have a church community such as this that can help me anticipate the coming of, of the Christ child and the second coming of Christ in ways that enrich my life and, and bring me closer to God in ways that teach my family what it means to be followers of Jesus. Oh God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes, dreams, and possibilities for our church and in our lives. Grant to us your boldness to follow Jesus into your new and unknown future. May your Spirit come and may your will be done. Amen. As I shared a few moments ago, today is the first Sunday in Advent, a time of waiting and preparing for the coming of Jesus at Christmas and Jesus' second coming. One of the traditions of our church is to share in readings and reflections around Advent to help us all journey to Christ together and prepare. In so doing, we will also light candles Throughout Advent this year, we were reflecting on different carols of the season. And so each, each devotion is designed to draw your attention to the carol and to what God may have in store for you during this time. I invite our readers to come forward at this moment. From Second Chronicles, the chronicler tells us that Ahaz became king and ruled for 16 years and that he didn't do what was right in the Lord's eyes, unlike his ancestor David. He gathered the objects from God's temple, cut them up, shut the doors of the Lord's temple, and made himself altars on every corner. The people were left in darkness with no hope to be found. God would not leave them without hope. God sent his prophet Isaiah to speak on his behalf to the king. Isaiah spoke that another was coming who would indeed bring hope. From Isaiah 7, 14, 15, he said, Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Today... We light a candle of hope. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, 
Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. If I had to pick a favorite hymn of the season, or, or maybe even one of my favorites all times, this is it. When our big kids were much younger, we would sing this hymn to them as, as a lullaby of sorts. And I think they liked the cadence of the song and, and they would begin to sing it as well. There is so much longing and anticipation and hopefulness found in these lines. For me, this hymn is, is always properly sung on the first Sunday of Advent. For the first day of preparing for the coming of Jesus. For much of the world, we are properly and probably have been for some period of time in in a season of Christmas, in a season of of, of decking the halls, in a season of preparing for Santa Claus and all that may come. But the church, even though many of us live two lives in us, so to speak, while we are preparing for Christmas, the church says we're not yet in Christmas. There's a time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, a time known as Advent. In fact, the season of Christmas doesn't really begin until Christmas, until Christmas Day on the 25th of December and then extends for 12 days, which is where you get the 12 days of Christmas. Instead, we are in a season of Advent. And, and Advent is a season of anticipation, a season of waiting and yearning. I think kids this time of year know this better than anyone else because they are anticipating the dismissal for Christmas break. They are anticipating what Christmas morning may look like with eager anticipation and hopefulness. But really, Advent, though close to Christmas on the calendar, isn't so much about Christmas. The anticipation, the the yearning, and the waiting of Advent is about Christmas, but it's not really primarily about Christmas and about preparing for the coming of Christmas. You see, Christmas is the remembrance of how the Lord came close, of how the Lord came close in the birth of Jesus. Christmas is a celebration of the scenes that, that we see before us, the nativity that's placed under the communion table. It's the anticipation of, of, of the birth of Jesus that ignited a new way of redemption in which all are invited to participate. And since Advent is right before Christmas on the calendar, Advent is about preparing your heart and your life for uh, remembering and celebrating how God came in the birth of Jesus. But Advent is not just about the past. Christmas is about the past. It's remembering, recalling what has happened. But Advent is not just about the past because faith is not just about the past. Instead, faith is about the present and the better future that God has in store for you, for you and for all of humanity. So Advent is also, and even perhaps mainly, about anticipating and preparing for the second coming of Jesus, for the second coming of Christ. A period of renewing and and refocusing your life in the anticipation that Jesus has promised indeed to come again. Now the second coming is 
It's what we affirm in the mystery of faith when we share in Holy Communion together. Next week we will share in Communion. And, and as we tell the story in the liturgy of, of how Jesus came and, and, and lived his life and shared his life with others, we, we go in, into the words and we say that, that we share in Communion and celebrate and affirm a powerful and simple mystery that Christ died, Christ rose, that Christ will come again. The words that we say is Christ has died, Christ has risen Christ will come again. As United Methodists, we affirm that Christ will indeed come again. And when Christ comes again, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Now, I think it might come to a surprise of many that United Methodists believe that a day of judgment is coming when, when Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. Because we often get, and I think people get a little um, nervous perhaps when you start to talk about judgment. Because we know that there's some preachers that all they do is talk about judgment and how certain things will happen and certain dates will happen and this is when and that is who and this is how. But even still, United Methodists believe that Christ will come again. And when Christ comes again, he will come to judge the living and the dead. But I want you to know that judgment, even though it can scare some folks and perhaps even can scare you, judgment is not primarily about punishment. Just as discipline isn't primarily about punishment when you're dealing with children Judgment is not primarily about punishment. Instead, judgment is about setting right all that is broken. Judgment is about setting right all that is broken, renewing all that is tarnished, and bringing God's ultimate hope to bear on all the earth. If you want to get a picture of what God's ultimate hope is, all you need to do is turn to the end of the Bible. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And this is another one of those things that often scares a lot of people uh, for, for some reason. And I think it has to do because of pop culture has a, has a tendency to latch on to the book of Revelation using odd language and such to, to try to have a certain message. But, but Revelation is a picture of hope that comes at the end. You see, we have this, this vision of what happens when Jesus comes again in judgment. And, and we find it in Revelation 21 of Jesus returning. And, and John, the, the writer, the, the one who received the revelation, said, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be seen with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. I mean, such a, a beautiful picture of God's ultimate design where mourning and pain are no more. Where all things are made new where all is redeemed. No longer is humanity plagued by the ravages of death, but life and love are made eternal. And this is why Advent is so important. It reminds the followers of Jesus that there is still more redemption to come. There is still more saving to come. There is still more 
salvation to come. There is still more hope to come. Thus we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And as we sing these words of one of my favorite songs, we join our story of anticipation and hopefulness with the story of all God's people who have ever waited for redemption. Each stanza of the song is a reminder of all of God's people who have gone before you, who have also waited and prayed for the coming of their Savior. If you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, you will read story after story, time after time, where the people of God are lost and locked in some type of darkness or hurt or disease or or slavery. And they yearn for God and they pray, oh God, oh God, oh God, please come. And time and time again, God sends hope and salvation. And so when we sing these words of the prophet, we sing songs putting your story in line with the story of God's people who have always been looking and waiting and praying for a Savior. In fact, these words of, of this hymn of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. These words have their origin not in the Christmas story, but in the ancient prophecies of God's prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet during a particularly dark time in the history of God's people when King Ahaz was on the throne. Now, if you've been in worship the past two weeks, perhaps you recall this name Ahaz because he was the king before Hezekiah And Hezekiah was the king who came and and helped the people re-remember what it was like to to follow after God and the goodness of God after 16 years of suffering under King Ahaz. 16 years of unfaithfulness under the rule of Ahaz. And if you want to know how bad things got under King Ahaz, all you have to do is read about it in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. In verses 1 through 4, we read that that Ahaz ruled for 16 years in Jerusalem. And he didn't do what was right in the Lord's eyes, unlike his ancestor David. Instead, he was walking in the ways of Israel's kings, making images of balls and burning incense in the Ben-Hinnon Valley. He, He worshiped other gods instead of the God of Israel that made him king. He even burned his own sons alive, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He also sacrificed and burned incense at the shrines on every hill beneath every shady tree. He wanted, he didn't want to follow God, and so he's like, well, I'm going to spread out the following of God with every other thing and burn incense and worship all these, all these other places. And furthermore, we learn in verse 8, 19 that Ahaz exercised no restraint in Judah, and had been utterly unfaithful to the Lord. Then he tried, another sign of his unfaithfulness is he tried to make an alliance with a foreign king. You see, Assyria was the empire on the rise at the time, and the the Assyrian empire was out to just take over the whole earth. And and, and so uh, Ahaz thought, well, instead of following after God, I'll probably, the nation will probably fall. So I'll try to make an alliance with the Assyrian empire. But the Assyrian empire was also a bad dude. And so we learn in verse 20 that Assyria's king, Tiglath-Pileser, 
Now that's a good name. I mean, Tiglath Pileser. Anyways, but he came to Ahaz and, and he, he brought trouble, the Bible tells us, not support. Even though Ahaz took items, get this, Ahaz took items from the Lord's temple, the royal palace and the officials to buy off the king of Assyria, it was no help. Ahaz stole from God. He stole from the temple to buy off a foreign king. And then we learn that it was during this troubled time that Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. And Ahaz started worshiping and honoring other gods and led the people to build shrines and temples to other gods. This was a dark time. The people forgot that they were God's people. And God grew angry. And Ahaz led the people down a dark and dangerous road of unfaithfulness, deep despair and darkness. And at the end of Ahaz's life, surely the people were scared. They didn't know if they would ever see a good sign again. Truly, they had forgotten the goodness of God. It is during this time that a prophet arose. A prophet by the name Isaiah. And Isaiah received a word that, from the Lord that indeed there was hope that was coming. Even though all seemed lost. Even though the, the emperor was coming. Even though King Ahaz was unfaithful and they had closed off the worship in the temple. Even though all this badness was happening. Isaiah said, you know what? There is indeed hope coming. There is a day when the darkness shall be no more. And Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 13 through 15, we find this image of the coming hope. Then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you are also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and about to give birth to a son and she will name him Emmanuel and he will eat butter honey and learn to reject evil and choose good isaiah says listen 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 O israel listen one is coming who will save you one is coming who will save you and this one is called emmanuel god with us and Emmanuel, God with us, will ransom captive Israel from your lonely mourning. So sing and pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then in chapter 11, Isaiah continues with the prophecy, saying, A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from its roots. This one who is coming will be a descendant of Jesse, who is David, King David's father. And if you want an example of somebody who was good, the Bible always points you to King David. And so it says somebody like King David is coming. Somebody like Jesse's son is coming. And so we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, thou root of Jesse's tree, an ensign of thy peoples. Be an ensign, a flag, a symbol salvation to come to the people and Isaiah continues to share what will happen with this Emmanuel this God with us this descendant of Jesse this descendant of King David or David saying the spirit the Lord's spirit will rest upon him 
A spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances or judge by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. Now you know from nursery tales that the wolf doesn't live with the lamb, right? But when the Emmanuel comes, when the Savior comes, the enemy will live with those who were once not the enemy. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together. The calf and the young lion don't feed together. The lion feeds on the calf. But no, when the Emmanuel comes, when the salvation comes, things will change and a little child will lead them The cow and the bear will graze. The young will lie down together. And a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. And toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. Now I have a toddler and a nursing child. And I'm not about to start dangling them over, you know, poisonous yeah I'm not you're right that's right I mean I'm not about to start dangling them over the copperheads and timber rattlers but here we have this image of a different order where things are not the way you expect them and then in verse 9 of chapter 11 they won't harm or destroy anything anywhere on my holy mountain The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord just as the waters cover the sea. When he comes, oh comes, all will be set right. All will be well. The hope of the nations, the dream of justice, death's dark shadows will truly be put to flight. So Isaiah teaches us to sing. Isaiah teaches you to sing and pray. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. For the people For the people that Isaiah spoke to, they would get a foretaste of this Emmanuel. They would get a foretaste of this salvation and the birth of Hezekiah, who was the next king. Hezekiah reopened the temple and led the people in the ways of the Lord. He helped them re-remember all that is God's and all that is blessing. But there was more salvation and more redemption to come. The redemption that Hezekiah brought only lasted for a moment. There was more redemption to come. And indeed, the virgin would give birth to a son and would name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. The longing for all people brought to bear in the birth of Jesus. In the birth of Jesus. The promise of hope, the promise of redemption, the promise of life. And then this first Sunday in Advent, we give thanks for the down payment on redemption that we find in the Christmas story. But yet, you and I are keenly aware that death's dark shadows are still around. 
Death's dark shadows are still around. Evil still entraps. Accidents that take the lives of the youngest among us still bear. Disease still ravages. Death's dark shadows are still around. We acknowledge that even though we have the foretaste of salvation that is ours and that is yours, we also acknowledge that redemption is not complete. There is still more work for God to do. So this is why the people of God at this time of Advent, a time set aside uh, for remembering the goodness that is Christmas, but more so to look forward into God's future. We have this time to prepare forward into God's fully redeemed creation. The time when the wolf will live with the lamb. When you won't destroy or find destroyed or harm on God's holy mountain. And when the earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And it's for this that you wait. And it's for this that I call you to wait. It is for this that I call you to anticipate. It is for this that I call you to remember God's initial plan for redemption through the birth of Christ and also to long and to pray for and work for the full redemption to come. And whatever you have in your heart, whatever darkness, whatever unredeemed peace in your life, whatever disease or sickness that entraps, whatever sin that, that ravages, whatever, whatever is not fully redeemed in you, I invite you to pray. I invite you to ask God to come to come upon you, to deliver you from death's deep misery, to deliver you to the coming kingdom that is fully redeemed creation. So as we prepare together, prepare also yourself to receive the miracle, to receive the goodness of God with us, who will redeem all, who will set aside all the pain and it will bring you together with all of God's children to work for the love that Christ taught us. This is why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let us pray. All around us, O God, there is pain and despair. Even as we have celebrated, I know from hearing so many in our congregation that there are people who are recovering from surgery. There are people who have difficult diagnoses. There are people who are mourning and coming to grips with, with so much pain and heartache. And I ask in the midst of all this, oh God, you come. You come and bring full redemption. You come and bring hope and salvation. And help each one to walk with and alongside you so that they can share this redemption and continue to pray for your spirit to come. Amen. May the hope of the nations be your hope this day. 
May you receive the joy of the Father, the joy of preparing and waiting for full salvation to come. Go with the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.